0: Welcome back to the preview. This is Genesis 8 and 9. In Genesis 8 and 9, we are building in a story. Remember, the context of the book of Genesis is that Moses wrote this to the Jews, telling them, how did we get here? How did the world come to be? And how did we get in the predicament where we needed a Savior, and we got into a covenant with God? And and how did we get to where we are in the world. The, the, at this moment when Genesis is being written, they are either in the desert uh, they are in the desert wandering uh, in the wilderness and they they can't get into the promised land because they keep wandering and uh, because someone's living there, the Canaanites and that will come into play at the end of our reading today. And so Moses is answering the question to the Jews, how did we get here? And so we see here in uh, what what has happened yesterday is that the the flood took place. God had decided he was going to rid the world of wickedness and sin because it had gotten so bad. And so he floods the earth, but he makes a covenant with a man named Noah, the only righteous man in Genesis six eighteen, and says, I will establish a covenant with you and I will bring you and all your family onto the ark. And he saves them. And so the flood... Happens in Genesis 6 and 7, like we studied yesterday. So a continuation of that story takes place in Genesis 8 and 9. We're still focused on the, the story of Noah. And so if Genesis 6 and 7 was about floods and faith, then Genesis 8 and 9 is about covenant and curse. Covenant and curse. And so at the very beginning, there are three sections of this. Clearing the waters... Number one, number two, covenant with God. Number three, the curse of Canaan. Those are the three things you're going to see. The clearing of the waters. The, the waters recede after a particular amount of time. The waters recede, and but but they, they stop flowing from the heavens. They've been the rain has stopped and the floods from the deep have have stopped. Uh, but there's still a ton of water, so it has to recede, and so God works to recede the waters. So the waters are clearing. He sends out a raven and he sends out two doves. And after the second dove, they realize that the waters have receded enough to where they can find some land to park their ark on and to exit the ark and begin to live back on the earth. And so God clears uh, the waters in chapter eight. And then it says that he remembered Noah, that he remembered Noah and him and All his family were the only ones left in all of humanity. That was it. Now remember, in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates everything as it should be. And in Genesis 3 and 4, the fall happens and the fallout, which is everybody starts dying, Cain kills Abel, and then there's death, which has been brought into the world by sin. And God, in Genesis 3, said he has created a way, a redemptive plan by which the serpent's head will be crushed by someone in the future. So he has a plan of redemption that he set into motion. And that plan requires human beings. And so he, in the flood, was simultaneously judging the unrighteous. He judges the unrighteous as well as he prepares the earth for the righteous. So he's judging the unrighteous and he's giving salvation to the righteous. Now this is looking forward to, on a small scale, looking forward to what he will do in Christ in the future. And so you have this covenant that God makes with Noah. The covenant began with God saving Noah because he had faith to build the ark, as Hebrews 11 says. But the other part of the covenant is that he makes the, the covenant that we see signified in the rainbow. This covenant says, I will never again flood uh, the earth and kill all life. And so this is that covenant with with God that Noah has. It's called the Noahic covenant. And really, once you look all throughout the Bible, the Bible uh, hinges on different covenants that God makes with different people. Noah, and then Moses, and then David, and then the new covenant in Christ. So, clears the waters. There's a covenant with God. And then there's the curse of Canaan. Now, if you're reading, you may think, this is a weird and random story. Why would he say, why would they add this? Remember, Moses is writing to the Jews and he's asking, he's answering the question, how did we get here? How did we get here? Right, the Jews are all sitting around, they're wandering in the wilderness. They know that God is taking them to a land, but they haven't gotten there yet. But they know that that land, uh, they know that there are people living in that land. And those are the Canaanites. They know about that. And so what we have is we have Moses entering this story about Canaan because he is telling the Jews why the Israelites and the Canaanites are enemies. He's answering the question, why are these people, the Canaanites, so wicked? And he's also answering the question, why are the Canaanites enemies of God like they are? And this story gives us the answer. It's a curse. Noah placed this curse and predicted this with his son, Ham. Ham is the father of the Canaanites. And so it seems like a random story, but when you put it in the context of who is speaking and who is listening, it makes a lot of sense. Moses is speaking to the Jews, and he tells them this story about how the father of the Canaanites was cursed because of his sin he was cursed by Noah, and as a result, Noah cursed him and said that he would be a servant to everybody else. And he, they are diametrically opposed from the time of Noah and to the time of Moses and the Jews even wandering into the wilderness. And so you see here, you see a a, a continuation of God's redemptive story. In a small way, you see a type, you see a framework, as if you were drawing out a sketch of a painting that God will, God is drawing out a sketch, a pencil sketch that he will, over time, fill in with, with vibrant colors. But the sketch here, as we can see, is that in, in, in what happened with Noah in the flood, God is judging in his wrath and merciful and gracious in his salvation. And his wrath is poured out on the unrighteous, and His grace and salvation are given to the righteous. And we don't have a covenant specifically like one-on-one with God like Noah did, but in Christ, we have a new covenant. And we are a covenanted people with God. In the book of Titus, it says that God is redeeming a people of His very own for Himself. And that is who we are as believers, covenanted with God, as his people, made righteous, not by our own works, but by what God did. And so we see here a type in the story of Noah for God's plan of salvation. God had to save somebody because he determined his plan for redemption required human beings, and he wanted to redeem humanity by using Noah and his family rather than creating from dust again, creating someone new. And so then we see also this addition about why the Israelites and the Canaanites are always fighting and battling. And what's interesting is in the future of Israel, the Canaanites will eventually be their doom and demise, not because they beat them in battle, occasionally they did, but because they eroded them spiritually from the inside and turned them away from the God of their salvation. So, Clearing the waters, covenant with God, the curse of Canaan. That is what you'll be looking for in today's reading of Genesis 8 and 9.